All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCP and Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And the one and only Miss Gat on the ones and twos. How are we doing tonight, guys? Good. Good, doing good. Our guy, uh, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, uh, if you, in case you missed it, he uh, he's actually not here tonight. Uh, we try to make it known on social media. He's actually uh, spending some very much quality time with Mr. Ortiz. Mr. Ortiz, uh, the father of Eddie, is actually turning, I believe, the big five zero, if not, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a very important night for them, and they don't get to really do a lot as a family very often. So I think this is a great opportunity, and I think this is the only ex- ex- exception for Eddie to uh, miss another show because after this, I think he's all out of PTO here at the Spoken <laughs> Podcast. So um, consider yourself very, really, really lucky there, Mister Eddie, especially with the fact that we're not on the live stream this week. For all the OG podcasters out there, this is your week, guys. You get to be a little selfish. Because it, it is all you guys uh, this week. Uh, but we're going to bounce back. We always do. That's what we do here at KCPN, man. And we've had some incredible uh, shows that we've had here consistently. I mean, we've been pumping content out at, at this uh, in our network like crazy. feels like every day now we got a new show or we got a show going out. Content's being provided. We also just uh, uh, released our new app, which if you have not downloaded that yet, definitely get on that. Get on your mobile device and get our new app because that is something that I felt like was a, a very monumental moment for not just our show here, but for the entire podcast network. And, and I think it's only going to elevate us further and further. Uh, but we want to thank everybody that's been a part of this. Uh, we want to thank all of the listeners that are a part of this. Thank you for letting us take up some of your time. And if you guys did not notice, there's a lot of local sports related topics that we need to get to. And we're really excited to have our guy, Marty McDonald uh, going to be joining us tonight to get some thoughts on uh, all things Chiefs, and in particular, the new acquisition that the Chiefs just got. And I'm going to start right there. The Chiefs just got a lot better this week uh, by adding 28-year-old running back uh, Le'Veon Bell. A good number of fans and even media members are siding with this one-year deal that, to me, uh, should be considered as much of a slam dunk in the common sense department as many any move in recent memory when it comes to the Chiefs. No, no Levy and Bill did not have a good or even a mentionable tenure in New York with the Jets. And we all knew that it was a simple money grab and means to an end for Mr. Levy and Bill. And now Levy has set his sails to the Super Bowl and is looking to contribute to the running back tour. And Chiefs fans should be ecstatic about this addition. We've heard the false lies regarding Le'Veon being some sort of quote-unquote locker room cancer for me personally, I can't wait until I witness Le'Veon Bell popping bottles in the locker room with his new teammates in February. But before we get to that, I want to address some other things. The, the, the Le'Veon Bell acquisition should excite Chiefs fans for many reasons. For one, as mentioned above, the Chiefs just added an insanely talented offensive weapon to an offense that at its peak, I would argue, is the most talented offense we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. And when you equate his talent with this talent, 
you give Andy Reid an opportunity to drive up plays and designs of, uh, for his offense that could and should be like anything, unlike anything we've ever seen. You're adding a hungry and motivated player with so much to prove and so much to offer. And if we know anything about contract years, they're undefeated. I remember how crazy Chiefs fans were when that video of Chris Jones and L. Bell came out in March of 2019 and how the possibilities seemed endless. We thought for certain we were getting Le'Veon Bell last offseason. Well, since that video came out, Bell ended up in New York with a minimum amount of physical use. So in essence, if you think about it, if you break it down, the Le'Veon that we desired yesterday could very well be the Le'Veon of today and tomorrow. Do I expect 2015 and 2016 Le'Veon Bell to join Patrick and the plethoras on the field this season? No. But do I expect to see an upgrade in depth and playmaking from the running back position effective immediately? You bet your ass. But the most exciting reason Chiefs fans should be should love this move is more Clyde Edwards-Hilaire than even Le'Veon Bell himself. Coming into this season... The Chiefs had every desire to continue to use Damian Williams as their premier back, at least for the beginning of the season until Clyde got comfortable in in this offense and inevitably took over and became the man that we all expected him to be. Well, we have since seen Dame opt out for the honorable reasons and essentially leaving Clyde to figure it out on his own with zero experience, zero offseason, behind a line that has lost more than it has gained over the last few months. And here's where Le'Veon Bell's value ultimately comes into play. With Le'Veon Bell stepping in for Damian as the veteran back with even more talent and consistency than Damian himself, Clyde now gets a real chance to work his way into this offense. To not have the pressure of making all the big plays out of the backfield. To be an actual rookie. But even with the load being shared with an incredible back like Bell, let's not pretend as if Clyde wasn't quietly having an incredible season, despite what some may try to tell you otherwise. I'm not sure what I was truly expecting when Clyde was coming coming into the season other than production. And even though flaws have been shown in his early career, production has been there nevertheless. Yet, for some reason, panic with a good number of fans stays consistent. I've seen fans with opinions I respect greatly already throwing the towel on Clyde as a whole, questioning the fact that the Chiefs took took a running back with their first pick and if Clyde was even the right running back to take with said pick. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you Clyde's rushing and receiving yards through his first five games of his career and then give you the rushing and receiving yards of three other running backs through their five games without even naming them. Here's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's first five games, rushing and receiving. 344 rushing yards, 169 receiving yards. That's 513 yards total. Here's running back number one. 415 rushing yards, 51 receiving yards, 471 total. Here's running back number two. 299 rushing yards, 153 receiving yards, 452 in total. And here is running back number three through five games. 
282 rushing yards, 107 receiving yards, 389 total. From the sounds of it, Clyde has produced better than the other three names through five games, huh? And if anybody was wondering who the other three running backs were, here are the names and let me know if any of these names ring a bell. Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Frank Gore. That's right. Through five career games, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been a better football player than the three leading rushing, rushing rushers in NFL history. But Lance, that's an overreaction. That doesn't mean Clyde is better than those all-time greats or that he'll ever even come close. Exactly. Exactly. It's an overreaction. And so is damning him before he reaches his first damn bye week. You know Chiefs fans are getting nutty when I, Lance Twid, will have to be the one bringing solace and reason to the discussion. But I have, and I will, as long as we go go this far down the rabbit hole. We got to relax, pals. The Chiefs are in great hands. They're defending champs and are the team that top-tier free agents want to play with and for. And as far as Clyde is concerned, just remember that he was handpicked by the one you love and adore the most, Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going to intentionally leave it right there because we have somebody waiting on line one, and I don't want to leave him waiting any longer because we got to get his thoughts on all things Le'Veon Bell. All thanks, Chiefs. We had a pretty rough week last week against the Raiders. We're definitely going to get his thoughts on that game. But we have hope on the horizon in Buffalo, and I definitely want to get his thoughts on that as well. Marty McDonald will be joining us very, very shortly, so stay tuned, guys. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Again on the Smoke News Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guy Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Miss Gad on the ones and twos. Uh, well, needless to say, it has been um, I would say such a flip-flop of a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's it started off uh, rather depressing, uh, to say the least, and then we got ourselves a nice little chunk of hope at the end of the week, and that's actually why we are bringing on for the very first time. Since we started the Spoken Podcast, a guy I've, I've wanted on uh, since day one, and we finally, finally cornered him. We finally trapped him because he put himself out there big time this week, and he hit a fucking home run and <laughs> flipped the bat on everybody on this one. Marty McDonald, how are we doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. Uh, it's exciting to uh, to be on the podcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation here this evening, and you know, as I reestablish my roots here in Kansas City, you know, hopefully we can maybe do this again sometime. 
That's that's without question. But we are we are kind of putting you through a trial right now. So if, if your performance is you know bleak, <laughs> we might have to reconsider you know a, a repeat of this. But ne- I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful I that Barty's gonna you know bring it tonight. So, but but to speak about Kansas City and your return to Kansas City, uh, how's the move been back? I mean. I, I mean, I can imagine the the moving part was the stressful part, but coming back to Kansas City where it all began, man, I'm sure that was uh, that was nothing but peace. And how many times have you OD'd on barbecue since you've been back? Um, you know, the the move back has been great. Um, we we try to get some barbecue uh, different places every couple of weeks. Plus, I actually make my own, so um, you know, we we've we've definitely have enjoyed the barbecue back here more. And excited to uh, hit LCs next week when a buddy of mine from Arizona is coming into town. So, uh, actually, it'll be my first time ever eating at LCs. Shockingly. Oh wow! Ooh. Oh wow! It, uh, I don't know what I'm more shocked about—the fact that you've you've been making barbecue, and I, this is the first time I've heard of this, or the fact you are actually going to LCs for the first time. <laughs> I, I yeah, I know it's weird. Uh, <laughs> my virginity to LCs. <laughs> Oh, she'll be gentle. She'll be gentle. Trust me. That place is legit. Well, I got to ask about the peanut because we all know that I clearly broke the news here. Uh, we, we don't have to argue about it. It's fine. Um, I spotted Le'Veon Bell at the peanut. But have you been to the peanut? Like, what is your take on the peanut? Uh, love the peanut. I have not been to the one downtown. I have been to the one up here in the Northland Ooh. twice now. Um, one time, a few dads from my daughter's softball team we snuck away from practice to go watch baseball, have a cold one, and I had to try some of those world famous chicken wings. For oh yeah, color. The second time I went to the Peanut, I basically flipped the DMV off and walked across the street up the hill and went to the Peanut because I was tired of waiting. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't nothing more satisfying than going to the DMV, telling them to get fucked, and then going get chicken wings at the Peanut. That's a day. That is a day. That's a day. But Marty, you've always you've always been someone that I've considered a person with reliable info when it comes to the Chiefs. Now you were one of the first to break the Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs news, and you were absolutely vocal about it. We we've now seen the reactions from the media and fans. I'd say that it's been a mixed bag of reactions. How did this all come together, and how do you see it all playing out with Le'Veon Bell with the Chiefs? You know, first things first, the Chiefs have been after Bell for three years. He he's. He's been on their radar in some form or fashion. And like they say in life, timing's everything. And in previous hunts, if you will, um, that's a nice play on words, it just could never come to fruition. And so, you know, some folks that I know that are in the know, you know, they, they, they tipped me off early on um, that this was going to happen. And... I've always put things through a three source protocol. Third guy hit me. You know, I went on Facebook on my own page. I didn't drop it on Twitter. I always drop everything on Twitter. This time I decided to go to Facebook and, you know, said it was going to be a one-year deal up to 2.75 million. The real numbers have finally come out tonight. It's a 1 million base. It's prorated 1 million in playtime incentives. So Bell is on the Chiefs this year for $1.69 million, <laughs> which is a steal. Absolute steal. Um, the, uh, the challenge with Bell and what a lot of people kind of got hung up on is, you know, they got thinking about the offset language because of the, his release from the Jets. But, you know, Bell actually 
because he's a vested veteran, could have claimed termination pay and actually double dipped. You know, kind of, you know, what government workers do. They work, you know, a certain number of years at one city and get their pension and go to another city and build up a second pension. And so Bell really had that chance to do that, but he didn't, um, which I think speaks volumes that he's a little bit more focused. He wants that title shot. And really, Kansas City gives him the best option to repair his image, prove to people that he's not a, quote, malcontent or any of that other nonsense, but that he's a team player and plays his cards right here, produces. You know, Bell will likely get a payday from some other team in 2021. Yeah. The Chiefs took a painful L at home last week against a divisional foe in the Raiders. Uh, we've heard rumors that the Raiders took a victory lap around Arrowhead after they got that win in KC for the first time since 2012. What did, what did you take away from that game, and how do you expect the rematch in Las Vegas to go? Well, uh, one, it, it, the, the victory lap did happen. Um, <laughs> my buddy Nick Jacobs broke that news first. Um, I'm fortunate that, you know, I have a family member that's on the force here and then verified it with him. And so, um, you know, that, that stuff that is going to stick in everybody's mind, uh, you know, from Mahomes all the way down to the equipment manager, that's going to stick in the mind. So I'm really looking forward to a rematch in Vegas. And we're just going to essentially go in there and blow up the Death Star. Um, <laughs> you know, I think Sunday's game and it was tough for me because my daughter was playing softball and I'm running game changer and trying to watch this game and that, and, you know, it was just a, it was an epic turd. And, and look, the chiefs were never going to go undefeated in 2020. Uh, you know, everybody kind of had their hopes up thinking, yeah, it's possible we got the team, but you know, when you carry the pressure of this roster, you carry the pressure of winning a super bowl, you know, it, it creates weight. And I'm actually glad that if we were going to lose, we lost to the Raiders. One, because it is a slap in the face. It's going to allow us to be a little bit more focused. I expect a highly energized team Monday afternoon, early evening, Monday night, whatever we're calling this game in Buffalo. So it's going to be really fun to see. Yeah. Is there anything that you took away, though, from the Raiders game that you, that concerns you as a Chiefs fan? Because I, I, I actually agree with you. I think that the pressure – all those things equated. It, it was it, it. sucked. I mean, I, I think we all can agree it sucked. It was it was painful to watch. Well, you're going to get the best of every team you face. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, I mean, was there anything though that you took away from it that you're like, man, we cannot have that happen again, or you feel like there could be some sort of growing trend in any regard? Um. Yeah, there's a few thoughts. So the the first one I tell you, and this might be unprof- unprofessional for me to say it, but that. Dick Wad referee, like we don't need that. <laughs> no, that was bullshit. Ever again. That's um, cleat, wasn't it? it? It was cleat. Yeah, that was and horrible. Fucking cleat. You know, uh, referees aside, you know it's part of the game. Bad calls are going to happen. Non calls are always going to be there. The game boiled down to four big plays on the part of the Raiders, right? Four big, yep. big pass plays, and and I really appreciate what uh, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo did this week when he said, look. I made a bad call that put Ward in a bad spot. I own that. We'll get better from it. And, you know, as a coach myself, when ownership is taken like that and you pull the attention away from the players, the players actually want to play a little harder for you, right? And so I like the fact that Spags owned that. 
you know, we, we got out of position. Um, I think we maybe just didn't have the same level of enthusiasm for the game that the Raiders might have had because this was their Super Bowl, clearly. Um, and I think we pressed a little too much on offense on the, on the deep routes and, and really didn't look to take advantage of some of the opportunities that might have actually been there underneath. And that's where I think Le'Veon Bell is really going to help the Chiefs' offense more than people realize. The Chiefs have the Bills this upcoming Monday afternoon, and I say Monday afternoon because I believe it's at 3.30 uh, in, in Central Time. Uh, yeah. Both teams coming off an embarrassing loss. I've said on the show that now that the Chiefs have had that defending Super Bowl championship target on their backs, that they will get an A game from some opponents and always get an A effort from all opponents. Do you expect an A game and effort from the Bills? And are we coming back to KC with a win this week? Do you believe the Chiefs are going to actually go up there and beat the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, we're going to go up there. We're going to take care of business. I do expect Josh Allen in that offense. And, look, Josh Allen's got three great receivers and Diggs, Brown, and Beasley. All polished route runners, all can get separation. Diggs can make the contested catch. You know, so we're going to see good effort. But where Buffalo might struggle a little bit is going to be on the ground game. Uh, And – the one position that typically gives the Chiefs frustration is tight ends. And I don't like Buffalo's tight ends. Uh, They're just not good. So I think we can scheme out the receivers uh, fairly well. Uh, I'm not saying that we're going to shut them out by any stretch. Scheme them out, keep out some of the big plays. We're going to learn from that Oakland game. And on the defensive side, I believe Buffalo's kind of banged up going into this contest. So um, I think Kansas City is going to be eager to, to say, hey, don't write us off. B, we're still the champs. And I think you might see a little flex on Monday from Kansas City. There's been growing concern from a good number of Chiefs fans. It's something I actually addressed uh, in our opening monologue regarding both of the Chiefs' top, top picks in the 2020 draft with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Willie Gay Jr. With, with both having rather slow starts out the gate. But it's only five games in, and to me, there's no real reason for concern yet. But do you personally feel and believe the same as I do, or do you side more with the side of being legitimately concerned, or there should be a reason for concern with both these or one of these players? No, I'm not concerned yet, and, and we'll kind of take them, you know, each by each here. Let's start with Gay. Um, one, they're grooming him for a very significant role in this defense. The thought going into the season – was to push him but not push him fully. And they're really counting on Gay to be that dynamic long-term player for Kansas City in that defense and being a future anchor. But in order to be that, there are certain things he they, they that Gay has to learn and certain experiences that he's going to have to get. And I think you saw some corner turning from him against the Raiders. You know, he got his first sack, pretty easy sack in my opinion. Um, but that's a confidence builder. And so I think you're going to see him progress more as the year goes on. And as, as frustrating as it sounds for a lot of Chiefs fans who expect excellence out of the gate, you know, that's not always going to be the case with every rookie, especially as they learn a system like Steve Spagnuolo's. 
in your opinion, I, I, I feel like I ask every guest we have on here, at least the last five or six, but I have to get your thoughts on this because this is something you and I have not talked about. I, th- I think we both would agree that it is way past due and it's going to happen finally in 2021. Eric bien is going to be a head coach in the NFL. I have strongly stayed on the side that I believe it's going to be the Jets that Eric bien takes over initially, and I think it actually would be one of the better positions for him because I think they're going to get that number one overall pick. They're going to get themselves uh, Trevor Lawrence if he decides to come out of the draft. But I, I want to get your thoughts. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to let me know if you have sources on this or not. Just your opinion. Where do you think Eric Bieniemy Eric inevitably ends up as a head coach next season? Uh, it's a great question because I will tell you that Bieniemy is going to look for something similar to what he has in Kansas City. And what that's going to mean is a good, solid front office and great ownership. And because of that, I don't think it's the Jets. Yeah, that pretty much takes them out of the running. (laughs) Or the Texans. The Johnson family in New York has, you know, run the franchise, a storied franchise, into the ground. Um, It is truly a dumpster fire. And in fact, the Jets, I think, actually would be a great logo or mascot for the year 2020. So I don't (laughs) think Eric is going to go after that position. You know, other opportunities that, that, that could open up, obviously, are going to be Houston. I think that's a very strong, logical destination. Um, you know, when you look at San Diego, I'm sorry, Los Angeles, I don't know, I always do this all the time. <laughs> the Chargers keep slipping. Anthony Lynn is not as stable in his job as a lot of people think. So, the L.A. Chargers, if they continue to go down the path they are, they might be tempted to make a move, and the enemy would be at the top of their list. So that's a, that is a little bit of news for you all tonight. Um, the other shocking long shot, Mike McCarthy in Dallas is already on the hot seat. It has not been lived up to by uh, the, the – the vacation did not match the brochure. The injury with Dak, Pres- uh, with Dak Prescott last weekend has kind of reset some things, so I don't think there's going to be a big move there. Detroit could be an option. Matt Patricia, I believe, is on his way out uh, after this season. And if you look at the NFC South, Atlanta makes a ton of sense yep. just because of what uh, the ownership down there will do and – I think the the ownership in Atlanta is a little bit more focused after the Dan Quinn experiment, being there in the Super Bowl, having that lead, blowing that lead, basically being humiliated for the last three and a half years. So Atlanta could be that other logical destination. Um, So if it really were to be me to say force rank it, it's going to be Houston, Atlanta, dark horse, LA Chargers. Wow. Okay. I mean, it, to me, it just sounds like it's just going to be a crapshoot now. And it would, be, it would be beyond interesting to see Eric being me stay within the division and have himself a, a young Justin Herbert. And speaking of Justin Herbert, I was actually going to get your thoughts on this. I, I had no expectations of Justin Herbert coming into the NFL. I didn't think – I thought he was just going to be the, the typical Oregon quarterback that, you know, puts up insane numbers in college and then comes to the NFL and, oh, my God, this is a totally different game. I'm not ready for this. He's been anything but that. He's been unbelievably awesome. And dare I say he's been better than Joe Burrow, even though he's got better weapons, and I know that's going to help. But he has shown in primetime games now 
that he's got what it takes. Yeah. I, I mean, do you believe? I mean, we've we've been waiting forever for for Patrick Mahomes to have this quote unquote rival, you know, to his Peyton Manning to Tom Brady. Do you think that Justin Herbert could actually be that guy? Uh, I do, and and being an Arizona State alum and watching the Pac-12, um, this doesn't shock him at, at, at all. What he did in Oregon, because we I, I've seen it, and you know, with the Pac-12 always starting so late, people in the East Coast and and probably here in the Midwest, and I'll find that out here next month when ASU starts playing. Don't pay attention to Oregon late at night. Um, you're, you know, you're either drunk and passed out or you're passed out and, and doing other things. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, it's like the Hawaii game. I always, whenever right. I lose all my money that day, I'm like going to get shit-faced and watch the Hawaii game and bet obscene amounts of money on it. 12 it's like Eastern. the only thing that's happening. I'm like, I'm mad and I lost everything. Might as well go with Hawaii. <laughs> you know, go chase the rainbow. Um, <laughs> but... In the draft, there was one quarterback that I did not want to see enter the AFC West, and it was Justin. And, you know, when he had his shot and then the emergency start against Kansas City, he played good. And and I took some heat on Twitter with one of my comments that, you know, this kid's legit and and he's going to be around. Here's your rivalry. And, of course, you know, Chiefs Twitter is unique in and of itself at times. And I took some arrows and – you know, Justin's proving to be the guy. And so um, it's going to be interesting. It's certainly not Drew Locke in Denver. Uh, and it's certainly not David Carr, Derek Carr, Eyeliner Carr, whatever, whoever, <laughs> the Carr family. It's not him. It's not that princess in Los Angeles. Well, then that's my follow-up question, though, uh, with that, Marty, is, you know, we see there's going to be there's going to be uh, quarterbacks, really good top tier quarterbacks that I believe are going to be on the move next season. Whether you're talking about potentially Aaron Rodgers, whether you're talking about Matt Ryan, I feel like John Elway is going to try to sink his 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 claws into one of those two guys uh, to try to get you know this team back up and running. Now they got a lot to do. I don't know if Vic Fangio is the answer. In fact, I don't believe he is at head coach. Uh, they have a lot of rebuilding to do. Do you think that the Broncos would be a destination? Uh, for a Matt Ryan or for an Aaron Rodgers, if something dramatic was to happen where those teams are trying to find a way to get get out of those contracts with those two guys. Yeah, and it's a unique situation because Elway's got a lot of egg on his face right now. Um, you know, things have not panned out well for the Broncos. He's proving that he's not that great of a GM. Um, his draft picks are not that great. And so – when you, when you get there, the ego takes over and you kind of got to make a, a nuts on the table move. And, and yeah, maybe it's possible that Elway decides to go after Aaron or Matt if they're both on the market. I don't think Drew's the answer long term. Um, and who knows? Maybe Elway does something crazy and decides to make a wild trade and, and get up in the top of the draft and, and get in another young quarterback. Denver's there's a lot of weird things that are going to happen in Denver. I do think Von Miller's going to leave. Um, I have not been told as much. It's a lot of posturing going on right now on both sides, but I think that, that Von Miller is is probably going to look to ride somewhere else in 2021. Now, here's my question with Le'Veon Bell back here in Kansas City. 
you, you add him to this offense and you think, oh, my God, this is just going to help the offense so much. But outside of Patrick Mahomes, who would you say, weapons-wise, this is going to help day one? I mean, I know everybody thinks it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I agree that it's going to take the pressure off of him. But between the guys that are going to be starting with, let's say, Le'Veon Bell, whether it's Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, any of those guys, who do you think it's going to help the most having Le'Veon Bell on that field? Uh, I think it's going to collectively help our wideouts. And I think Nicole Hartman actually could be the beneficiary of this because of the pressure that he sees, you know, now just to perform within the system, right? You throw Bell out there. And there's going to be times where you're going to see Alaire and Bell in the backfield at the same time. They're going to run double double wheel wheel routes out on the sides and edges. That's going to cause a linebacker to crap their pants and have to figure out who do I cover. That's also going to destroy the defense that has been successful against Kansas City over the last couple of weeks because now they can't drop as many guys into coverage like they have. So you're going to see those those mid to high level. Uh, routes are going to start to free up for guys like Hardman, Hill, Watkins, when he gets back, I think could be be, uh, a beneficiary. And they could really, in theory, and and this is what I'm going to be looking for, it might reopen the middle a little bit more for Kelsey, even. Hmm. Marty. Yeah, I was just going to ask about Kelsey's performance last week. Um, are you as concerned as he obviously was after that? And how amazing was that leadership for him to step up and just say, hey, look, this is on me? Uh, no, I, I love it. You know, one of the things I preach with my with my boys in baseball is a we over me mentality. And that's why I think this Chiefs locker room is so special is because they really, truly brace that. They brace it, the accountability. They stand up. They raise their hand. You saw it with Kelsey. You saw it with Spags. I think that's great. Um, that the, the Chiefs could have blown the handle and the door off that game last week. They didn't. Uh, they took the foot off the gas pedal, and and Kelsey will be the first one to, to step up and own that, and I think that's, you know, mad respect for it. All right, Marty, with all the news that came out this week regarding Le'Veon Bell and how you were ahead, out of, how you were ahead of it, and I hear that you had some people within the spoken who were wondering just who exactly Marty McDonald is. So, Marty... Tell the people who you are and why they need to put some respect on your name. Tell, tell the people who Marty McDonald is and why they need to know who you are. Yeah, I'm just a man in the shadows. I'm a father. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a full-time gig. No, I, I started covering the Chiefs in 1997 for KFFL.com. It's a fantasy football website that ultimately got bought out by USA Today. And from there um, – I I met, ironically, a Chiefs fan on an AOL message board, and he reached out to me about becoming the senior editor for a website called NFLScoop.com that he was building. And what we built in 2000 before the dot, that first dot-com bubble burst was a pretty kick-ass website. Um, we built one of the first SpiderBot engines that you can log in and customize, and let's say the Chiefs were your favorite team and you also like the Chicago Bears. We would automatically bring to you the top five to ten headlines for each of those teams onto your homepage. And so you had customized news every time you landed on NFLScoop.com and, and logged into your, your account. You would have all the relevant news for the teams you wanted. 
And when we ultimately shut down that website, we sold that technology to ESPN um, back then. And surprisingly, some of those elements are still at play um, with some of their stuff. But I went to head, you know, head to head against Mike Florio when he was a writer at um, NFL Talk back then. You know, I spent that first summer of 2000 at Chiefs training camp up in River Falls, at the Bears training camp, at the Packers camp, and really just started networking with a lot of people in the NFL. And that's where I became friends with Jason Whitlock and Adam Teicher, Randy Covets, and guys that were on the beat. Um, for the Chiefs here locally. And you know, over time, we did some crazy things. Um, I remember walking into my office in Chicago at, uh, geez, 4.45 in the morning, 5 o'clock, and I had a voicemail from Gunther Cunningham. And Gunther simply said, hey, Marty, letting you know we're making a move. We're going to be uh, signing Pete Stoyanovich. So, you know, being the the Chiefs homer and the nerd I was at the time, I just immediately got on her site and say, hey, here's Casey kicking situation, making a change, team to sign Pete Stoyanovich. NFL talk downplayed that immediately. By 10 o'clock, it had been released that Stoyanovich had, in fact, signed with the Chiefs. And so we spent the, the rest of the day basically kicking NFL talk in their shins and taking pot shots at them and, and – they did to us, but that was how immature the internet was back in 2000. Um, it hasn't matured much since. Let's just put it like yeah. that. <laughs> and then, you know, for the last, Oh God, since 2001, um, I was very uh, fortunate to be with a website called DraftSharks.com, writing and producing fantasy football content. And I did that all the way up through 2015 um yeah 2015 and then kind of a, a senior consultant now just very loosely checking things on the site but really have no no more involvement in that website um was also involved in producing the world championship of fantasy football which back in 0403 time frame when we launched it was the largest uh fantasy football event in the in the, in the world we gave away uh, $300,000 cash prize for that. And then sometime in 2012, I think I reached my apex. Actually, it was this week in 2012 because I got my little happy anniversary from Twitter um, <laughs> when we launched Save Our Chiefs. And mm-hmm. we orchestrated the single largest fan revolt to get Matt Castle out of here, but more importantly, get <laughs> Scott Pioli out of here. And that's when we just did some crazy stuff and and had a great group with Eric and Clay and Travis helping out and Phil and some of the guys from chiefsplanet.com. You know, we, we just, that's where that whole idea was born and it just took off real fast. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually where uh, I met you for the first time. That was eight years ago. Uh, My first radio show out in Paola, Kansas uh, had you on. And uh, that's that's kind of where I you know got got to know who you really were, and uh, those are some dark days, man. I, I'm needless to say, I'm glad that uh, we're not we're not only out of those shadows, out of that darkness, but we're where we're at now. And I think that uh, people like you and Clay Windler and, and Shaggy Shane Williams and people like that have really uh, helped keep this this fan base intact. Because I mean, I, I really felt like we were going to lose 
uh, our, our fandom. And, and, and if anybody knows in Kansas City, anybody knows Arrowhead, they know that that's the experience. Whether the team's good or bad or average, it's, it's the tailgating. It's the experience. It's the people, man. And, and I think that you guys stepping up and, and stepping out and, and letting this, this team know, this franchise know that this shit wasn't acceptable – that they needed to make changes and changes quickly. I think that you guys have a lot to do. And I'm not just saying this lightly. I think you guys have a lot to do with why we are where we're at now, because this franchise knew that the people that were the most loyal were the ones that were demanding better. And I think Clark Hunt being a new owner at that time, I think he'd only been owning the team for three or four years at that point, realized that he needed to change things up. And his father was great at what he did, but he needed to make adequate changes in order for this team to have some respect and, now we're where we're at, man. So I, I definitely give you a lot of credit for that, and I think you're without question one of the one of the most reliable uh, piece uh, people out there when it comes to sources and it comes to information. And uh, yeah, obviously, Gat belongs in that category too. But, <laughs> Hello. But, but in all honesty, man, we, we always appreciate you being out there, and you do take arrows even to this day. I see the comments. I see, like I said, people were wondering who you are. Well, now you guys know. Now you guys know mm-hmm. who Marty McDonald is, and he's somebody I absolutely trust with his information and, and, and it's really, it's been, it's great to have you on the show, man. And hopefully you want to continue to come on here, man. And, 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 and jab some jaws with us because that's what we love doing, man. And I'm sure get, you have something to add to that. Yeah. I just want to ask because um, I've heard just on and off through the years, just how bleak of a situation it was when Carl Peterson was there um, and then going to the transition to Pioli um, what was it like with that like switch happening around that time? Did, were you a big fan of uh, the new regime coming in and with the new takeover coming in, or how did you feel around that time? Yeah, we, we knew that there was going to be a home run hire and, and the dynamics of that entire fan movement. Um, and this is a funny story. And do we still have like a few more minutes? So I can, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, man. So when we orchestrated the blackout arrowhead uh, game against the Cincinnati Bengals and we got our ass handed to us, <laughs> One, that was the first time my son had ever been to Arrowhead. So we flew in from, from Arizona. Um, my dad brought my dad back and, you know, I let my son wear his Jamal Charles jersey, right? But everybody else, we had, you know, our black blackout Arrowhead hoodies on and had a lot of fun with it. Well, one of my partners, uh, Eric, uh, was detained by Arrowhead security for passing out flyers that – Stated nothing but pure facts on them. <laughs> statistics, statistics, statistics. So Eric let me know. I got it out on I tweeted it out. It 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 caught a lot of attention. Jason Whitlock pumped it. Um it became a story during the game. And and you have to understand the NFL hates distractions, right? They they absolutely hate them. In that game, something happened where CBS zoomed out hand the crowd and actually talked about the blackout and the fan revolt movement, save our chiefs. Wow. To this day, you know, the jets tried to do something. Miami, I've been contacting <laughs> different fan bases. How do I do this for their, I, I probably could have started a damn consulting business out of this. But <laughs> I had other things in my life that were far more important. But what, what's funny is three days after that game, I got a call from someone who was very well connected to the Hunt family. And all it said is, look, your point has been made. They understand things will be changed. 
and <laughs> it was and that's the story that you know i'm not going to put out on twitter because everybody's gonna think you're full of shit right and it but that's the dynamicness right and so when you know, Haley was let go. Cornell was ultimately let go as the interim. Pioli was fired. Like we, we knew that before the major networks did. We broke all of that because we had a non-Chiefs person who was deeply connected to the Chiefs basically tell us everything that was going on. And I'll never forget the text I got the day that Hunt went to Philadelphia and all it was is Clark's going to get a cheesesteak. <laughs> I about wet my pants. <laughs> In so many ways. In so many ways you could wet your pants. I, that is incredible. Yeah. And so wow. what, what's even funnier is the Chiefs go to the playoffs and they're playing the Colts. And I'm like, God, I got to be there for this game. And we organized this huge fan rally at the Tilted Kilt in downtown Indianapolis. I got my son with me. Snow, like, we, we took over that bar. And, and I had about two or – I think it was two, maybe three report, Chiefs reporters, you know, pull me aside and, and just said, hey, thanks. Like, there's – like, you guys did things that we wanted to say, but we couldn't say. No different than when we broke all the Tyreek Hill stuff last year and we told the story. I literally in my phone today have every sports producer's cell phone. And we were, and I'm not saying, I'm not giving up sources, but there are a lot of people who wanted information to get out about Tyreek, wanted information to get out about Pioli, but they couldn't because of where they're at. And it's been fun to be trusted with that and to be that voice. We're, we're not out there thumping our chest by any stretch on our Twitter handle. We're not out there talking about our record and we're, you know, every now and then we might take a victory lap and look, I screwed up on the Pat Peterson stuff. Like I thought that thing was done because of what my guy in Arizona would tell me. And, and we whiffed on Pat Peterson. That's going to happen. Not everybody bats a thousand. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what some people in, in Chiefs Kingdom and fans have to kind of understand is there are people out there who don't have a byline of ESPN or the KC Star or a radio station or a broadcast that do know things and do know people and can facilitate information. And if I chose to do this full time, I could do this job very well, be very successful, I believe. But I don't want to do it full time. Uh, the year I, I spent full time and in locker rooms with NFL scoop and, and seeing some of the things there's, there's an ugly side to the game. And, and I think people that have left teams see that, know that, appreciate that as they go into other endeavors. And, and so a little bit of a ramble, but really just trying to give you and your listeners some of the inside part of the game that people don't talk much about. Absolutely. Now, I, I worked in NFL marketing for a brief minute and uh, was running football camps and stuff for these guys. And and the things that I would have said to me and the things that people would say behind closed doors, it's like you just know, just keep your mouth shut and you just and that's how you become trusted. And that's how people, you know, carry on. And I think 
you know, guys like you that have these connections, I think we're going to see a big rise in that type of information and those trusted sources, because we can all agree that the media is not the most trustworthy thing anymore. And to be able to do all that without being in the press conferences and without being in all those access areas, you can do that now. Thanks to Zoom. Uh, thanks, COVID. We all have the same access that everybody else does. So it's kind of impressive on that regards, but I, I think it's definitely on the rise. So that's really cool to hear the backstory of a lot of that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, and, and Marty, uh, we, you and I have had our talks before and uh, you, you've always, you've never shied away from telling the truth. And that's why we like having people like you on this show, man, because it's, uh, it's something I think the listeners crave because they want something authentic. They want something real. And quite frankly, like you talk about not thumping your chest. I think that's the, that's the ultimate representation as, a, as both a fan, as somebody that is connected I think people respect that the most to know that you're not out there trying to do a Raiders, you know, victory lap around Arrowhead. You're just out here to give people what they need to know. If they want to believe it, they'll believe it. If not, if that, that's on them. But that's what we do here at the Spoken Podcast, and I, and I feel like uh, you're 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 the Le'Veon Bell uh, to the Spoken Podcast. You're going to put all this together, man, and you're giving us what we need here. And I stories like that, I can I can honestly just sit here and listen to you guys just talk <laughs> about this stuff. Like, yeah, I know Gat's been around this this game longer than I have. You know, we're really breaking, you know, our own ground around here as well in the Spoken Podcast being around almost two years. But, Marty, I mean, like I, like I said, man, you're always welcome here to, to drop some knowledge and drop your stories on here. And clearly we appreciate your time, man. I know you're, I know you're busy with the kids and getting back here in Kansas City. And like you told, like you told me on a, on a post a couple of days ago, we, we definitely need to have uh, an in-person hangout, man. I know with the way the world is right now and how crazy it all is right now, uh, we, we need it. We need to find time to make that exception. But but in the meantime, you are always welcome on the airwaves and spoken podcast because I know that everything you bring to the table is genuine, real, and quite honestly, it's not bullshit. So uh, with all all these years you put into the Chiefs, whether you're busy with other stuff or not, man, trust me when I say it's it's been more than valuable. And I think I don't I don't think you need me to tell you that. I think you're already fully aware of that. No, and I, I appreciate the words, and, you know, I, I would love to try my hand at this podcasting thing. I've been told i got a face for radio. Uh, <laughs> we well, definitely got the voice for it, so that's a strong start. That's a start. That's a start. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm just glad I didn't come out here and Darwin Thompson my, my second. <laughs> oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Oh, I oh, so Darwin. I, it remains to be seen what ultimately is going to happen. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not happy right now. And he's in the shit house for sure. (laughs) If, if, if if Andy Reid can put LaShawn McCoy, who he loves like a son in the, in the dog house, you know, Darwin's there, you know, Darwin's there. So yeah, but anyway, regardless guys, uh, Marty, if you could real quick, before we let you go, let the people know where they can find you on all social media platforms. Yeah. Um, I am out on. The Twitter, uh, and I'll give just spell it out. It's at one underscore Chiefs Kingdom. So that's where we're at. One underscore Chiefs Kingdom. And then, um, in the wonderful world of Facebook, I try to uh, keep my my Facebook life, my Facebook life. But we do have our old Save Our Chiefs page is still up and active. Yes. <laughs> if you go to facebook.com backslash Save Our Chiefs. Uh, we kept that URL out there. We rebranded the page, obviously, the Chiefs Kingdom. And we've got, you know, Pat Mahome and his GQ cover shot as our profile. And Harrison <laughs> Bucker kicking a field goal for our cover page. 
There's a lot of Chiefs Kingdom pages out there. We're the legit one. Um, I think I, I don't even pay attention to how many people we got on that page. Now. <laughs> We've 20,000, 25,000 people on that page. So, you know, we're over there. I gravitate towards Twitter. I've got four, uh, five other guys that do updates on Chiefs Kingdom. So, um, you know, they help manage the Facebook page. I'm over there causing hell on Twitter and posting crazy stuff on game days. So, <laughs> Well, that is our guy, Marty McDonald. Follow him, guys. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. He, he has incredible scoops. He, he'll, he'll give you stuff ahead of time. Uh, you can tell your friends that you knew about it days before it's actually announced. Regardless, at one underscore Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter for sure. Get on Twitter and follow my guy, Marty. We definitely appreciate you, bro. And you are always welcome here. Trust me when I say before the season's up, you're absolutely going to be back on our show, and hopefully we'll have a live stream so people can actually see that face for radio that you claim to have. But in the meantime, go get some LCs, man. Go get some LCs. Let me know what you think because I'm telling you, you're going to love it. And I hopefully can try some of your barbecue out because if, if you got barbecue game, bro, then we just became best friends. We're already, we're already pals. We're going to be best friends if you, if you got some dry rub that I, that I definitely could be craving for, man. So, uh, But in the meantime, like I said, Marty, we appreciate you. Best to your family. Best to uh, everything you guys are doing at Chiefs Kingdom, and keep that work up, man. We appreciate you. Okay. And that is Marty McDonald, guys. We really appreciate everything he does for us, man, and quite, quite honestly for the entire, if you want to call it, Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, he, he puts the work in, man. He, like I said, I, I yeah. see him get a lot of jabs. A lot of people on, on social media question whether he knows what he's talking about. But trust me when I say the, the Tyreek Hill stuff alone, what Marty was putting out there consistently and then come to find out the truth of it all, you guys know the truth about, about what took place. And Marty was one of the, one of the main pieces to get all that exposed. Uh, same with, like I said, Save Our Chiefs. Uh, th- this guy is, 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 so, is, is an actual treasure in our, in our community as Chiefs fans, and we, we should definitely be appreciating him, and we will have him back on. As time goes on. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break because when we get back, I need to get Trevor, Gat, and I'm going to give you guys my thoughts as well on this upcoming game between the Chiefs and the Bills. I got some stats for you guys as to why I can almost guarantee this is not only going to be a Chiefs win, it's going to be a Chiefs blowout. I cannot wait to give you guys these thoughts. It blew me away when I got this research done. I cannot wait to give you guys these thoughts, in my opinion, for these facts, more importantly. We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios. My guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Miss Gad on the ones and twos. Hello. We just had our guy, Mr. At One underscore Chiefs Kingdom, Marty McDonald, on the show. That was an absolute blast listening to him talk about reminiscing on. I mean, I, I don't want to say like reminiscing because there were some dark days back in, in, in 2012 and years yeah. previous to what we're, you know, basking in now as far as Chiefs fans is concerned. But remembering some of the times of when I first met Marty and hearing some of the stories and some of the things he's told me throughout the years, like him talking about these things and giving out details about how the chiefs were paying attention to what he did and the revolution that he set. I mean it when I say, I think people like Marty and a few others are the reason why we are where we're at. And obviously the chiefs had to make the moves. Clark Hunt had to go out and get that quote unquote cheese steak in Philadelphia, if you will. 
Well, it created a subset of the media. Exactly. That's the yeah. We needed that in Kansas City, yeah. and he, and we need it today. Like guys like Marty McDonald, and I'll, I'll even say people like us, the Spoken yeah. Podcast, and yeah. KCPN. We are needed here in Kansas City because of the fact that there there is something about the Chiefs. They love to have everything buttoned up. That they don't like to have information out there. But if you have people that are in the know that can give us a little bit here and there, I feel like Chiefs fans feel like they're more connected. Well, I think it's without question. There's no censorship. Exactly. They mm-hmm. feel like they know stuff about their team before it really goes out there to the national public. That's why I love stories like Katie Camlin when she overheard it at her job from some guy that worked at the Chiefs that Patrick Mahomes is about to get his contract. Like that blew up. She got that information before Adam freaking Schefter got it. So for that stuff to happen – and to happen consistently because of people, like I said, like Marty McDonald, there's a, there's an unlimited amount of value to people like that for what they do. So, guys, I, I hope you guys take him seriously. When you see him tweet out stuff, that is not him out there trying to get clicks, retweets, likes. That is him simply telling you what he hears. And I promise you, the man knows what he's talking about. He knows people that know stuff. So go and give my guy Marty McDonald a follow for sure. We're going to have him back on the show very soon. But let, let's get into this next week's matchup with the Chiefs and Bills. Um, I've told you guys from the very beginning of this season, when we did our prediction show, I had the Chiefs having two losses on the season. Those two losses were going to be at Buffalo and at New Orleans. I have officially revoked my loss to the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. I believe it's week 14 or 15. This Bills game, even up to this week, Trevor and I, you know, we talked on our off time about how I was still wanting to keep this one as a loss. Of course, the season changes. Chiefs lose an unpredictable game to the uh, Oakland Raiders, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders now, um, just this last Sunday. It was very rough, tough to accept, and it changes things. And it changes things because I've been listening, actually, believe it or not, I've been I've been changing my habits a little bit. The week of a game, regardless of the team they're facing, the Chiefs face, I go and listen to that city's radio stations. And I have to tell you guys, Buffalo Bills fans are terrified about this game. Reason being, not just because they're facing Patrick Mahomes and this incredible offense and the Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions. It's because of the fact they're facing the Chiefs now after a loss for the first time since November of 2019. So not only the Bills coming off an embarrassing loss, which you hope that your team comes back to answers, but it's the timing aspect of it. It's like, fuck, we just lost our first game of the season. Didn't just lose. We got blown out by Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. And now we have to take on the Chiefs in a primetime game on Monday? Like, this is something that you want to talk about worst disaster. Coming into this season, coming into this game a couple weeks ago, we were of the belief the Chiefs are going to come into the third game in 11 days, 10, 11 days, to now the Chiefs are the rest of the team pissed off coming into Buffalo on an embarrassing loss to a divisional foe. And I, like I said, I listen to Bill's radio, and they are fucking terrified. Fans are terrified. Local media are terrified because they, they're of the belief, as we are, that the Chiefs are going to come in here looking for heads to roll. And, and I, I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this, but I'm going to just say this really quickly. And I'm going to give you guys the reasons why after I get your thoughts. I, I, and, I, and I told Trevor this a couple days ago. I don't think this game is going to be close. And I know... Trevor and I were on here flexing our D's on the show with Raider Cody just a week ago, talking about sorry Raider fans. We look. I looked into the camera that I don't have tonight, but I looked in that camera and I told people, "Sorry Raider fans, you might be inching closer to the Chiefs. You're not there yet." Well, the Raiders came in there and kicked our shit in, and we can talk about that game. I, I want to move on from it, but I'm gonna. I want to. I want to start. Get actually, I'll start with you real quick. 
how do you see this game going with the Buffalo Bills? Do you do you are you of the belief that this is one of those games where the Chiefs say, you know what, fuck this, we're clicking, we're gonna go out here and roll this team? Is that how you see this, or do you see it being a little bit maybe closer because the Bills are also coming off an embarrassing loss? I think the stage has been set with Le'Veon Bell joining this A-list squad. People are they're terrified because they know it's game over. I mean, Ocho Cinco and Kelly Stewart and I were all talking. Kelly Stewart mouthed off about CEH being better than Le'Veon Bell. And it's just like, I think the narrative is really going to be sticking strong with the Chiefs now that they do have to run it back. That loss was embarrassing. There's no reason for it other than injury and, you know, a lot of other stuff. But the Bills were a lot scarier before I saw them against the Titans. And I'm just like, what in the world? So I know that they're like expecting to make a statement one with this, but there's no statement to be made in comparison to ours. The statement is we have to reclaim our title and our championship like crown back. And they're just trying to stay alive. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tears to this, to, to this game. And the, obviously the top tier of football right now is still the Chiefs, regardless if you want to talk about the Packers and the, and the Seahawks. We're the, we're, the, we're, we're the ones that are on the top of the mountain still. Um, we slipped up last week, you know, uh, divisional game that happens. Um, yeah, we got to hold that L for that one. But, I mean, I think we saw a side of Josh Allen that we, a lot of us, a lot of people expected Josh Allen to be. Um, he's been playing damn near flawless leading up to that game last past week. Um, and I think he was a little, I think he got a little exposed. Um, he's very turnover prone. Uh, when, when, when the, it starts like when the game starts kind of crumbling down, he can, ha- he can go into panic mode and make a lot of mistakes. And the guy that we have, our quarterback does the opposite. When the, when the pressure's on, typically Mahomes rises to the, to the occasion in the biggest spots possible, right? This is a weird time slot. This is a strange time to play a game in the middle of the day on a Monday, it's not. It's a Monday middle of the evening, early evening game. So it's a, it's a it's a awkward time spot. We're the traveling team, but I fully expect, um, especially defensively, Mahomes and our offense. We we get up every week, uh, but I, I think our defense was really embarrassed last week. I think Spagnolo is going to have um because we're the 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 receiving core of the Buffalo Bills is pretty similar to. The Raiders, they like to they have they have a lot of speed, and um, with Henry Ruggs coming back, being back last week, they use that, utilize that speed over the top, and we have never really been tested over the top much because a lot of teams play underneath on us because we allow a lot of play underneath. We're a bend don't break type of defense, and um, uh, Josh Allen has a, is a guy that loves and thrives throwing over the top, and he's a big play quarterback. Um, and I, but I think he got exposed because the Titans took that away from him. Um, and I think we can, you know, carry over that formula similar to the Titans. And we have a much more talented t- uh, defense than the Titans have. So if we can kind of utilize and piggyback off that game plan that the Titans utilize with our core, with our talented defense, uh, I fully expect us to rebound. For me, it just comes down to is our offensive line going to show up or not? That's That was the biggest takeaway last week of me of, of what I saw in the Raiders game. was that It was the tale of two offensive lines. We couldn't touch Derek Carr. We couldn't smell his cologne, and they were all over uh, Patrick Mahomes, and he had to run out of the pocket every single play just to make a play. So uh, if our offensive line shows up, this game's over in my mind. Yeah, uh, you know, I want, and I want to contextualize something because I, I agree with everything you guys just stated in regards to this matchup and leading into this game. The Bills – to the Titans fucked everybody up on scheduling. So I, I don't want to say that the, I think if, if everything would have went as planned, I think that game would have been much closer against the Titans. I think the Titans screwed everybody up. And quite frankly, the Titans had so much rest. Yeah. They had an additional bye week essentially 
you know, nobody was practicing. They weren't getting hit. I mean, they were missing some bodies, but none of them were like major. And they were rested yeah. though. Like the guys that were that they needed Derek were rested. Henry didn't have Henry, to have a big, yeah, he looked he great. Big, yeah, he didn't have to have a big game. At yeah, all. he but he looked rested. Yeah. You know, and 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 they had Taylor Luan, their best offensive lineman, out. Uh, sitting on the sidelines, and it almost like didn't even affect. But you saw what happened. My my thing is Josh Allen's been playing with the lead most of this game so far. Yeah, and he hasn't played much tough competition. If right. we're being honest, when he's playing comfortable and he's he's confident to get the to get the game, I think that's key because when he made a mistake early, he threw that pick early in the game, and from there there was a trickle effect. You saw it kind of in his eyes. He's now he wasn't nearly as confident in himself. Now where I want to contextualize it though is I'm going to give the Bills a little bit of a little bit of a pass on that loss, the way they lost and how badly they lost. Yeah. They did not have John Brown, who is their deep threat. Yep. Okay, you got to give them He's that. back. Yes, he is back now. Yeah. Tredavious White, arguably the best corner in the league outside of Stephon Gilmore, yeah. did not play. Yeah. They were banged up. The Bills were missing, and, and what's his name, uh, Milano, their uh, middle linebacker. Mm. One of the better middle linebackers in the league right now. He didn't play. And the Titans are good. And the it's Titans are a good team. Act like they're not good. They were just in the AFC Championship, yeah, guys. Yeah. They smoked the Ravens very just well last coached, season in Baltimore team. back when they used to have fans. Remember they had those A.J. Days? Brown back. <laughs> okay, that's, 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 I want to give the Bills a little bit of a pass here. No, I'm not trying to make a case for the team that I have the Chiefs beating in the AFC Championship. I still fully expect the Bills to get there. Yeah, it's a good team. Having said all that, this matchup, is so beautiful for the Chiefs for so many reasons. And it, I feel so bad for the Bills because here I am defending them because of the way they just lost. But there are factors in this matchup. It, it, none of that even matters. Whether Tredavious White plays or not, whether John Brown plays or not, whether Milano plays or not. And I'm going to tell you guys why. This is why I have the Chiefs blowing them out, blowing the, the, the Buffalo Bills out. Patrick Mahomes has started 36 regular season games in his career coming into this week. 15 of those games came in prime time. He has 39 total touchdowns in those 15 games, which means that 42% of Mahomes' starts to this point have been in front of the nation, and 38% of his career touchdowns have come in only 42% of his starts. And again, it's when everyone is watching. Mahomes has glossed showtime by his dad, Pat Sr., for a reason. And it's because he shows up to score each and every time everybody's watching. Only twice has Mahomes been held to one touchdown in a primetime game. And one of those games was in week six of last season in Denver when he got hurt in the first half. Point number two, Tyreek Hill has not only been the best receiver in the league to th- in this season, to, in my opinion. Touchdown every week. Every single week he's gotten a touchdown. He's been in the end zone every single game. The only wide receiver to do so. Only player to do so. Yeah. But not only that, he in prime time, he is one of the most unreal players we've ever seen in NFL history. He has scored 20 touchdowns in 22 career primetime games. I don't think this league has ever, like I said, I don't think they've ever seen this, and I highly doubt that the injury-ridden Bills defense, with Tredavious White or not, is going to be able to keep him from being great. Point number three, Travis Kelsey is on pace for 102 receptions, nearly 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns, which would rival his career year in 2018 with 103 receptions, 1,300 yards, and 1,336 yards, and 10 touchdowns, basically the exact same season. And it was Mahomes' rookie year that this happened. I don't see the a, another defense on the Chiefs' schedule that's going to stop, let alone slow down Kelsey, who I believe is at the absolute peak of his powers. And even if they were the only, he was the only legitimate target in his in this Chiefs' offense, like 
2003 Tony Gonzalez, 2004 Tony Gonzalez. I still think he would eat up these hobbled def- linebackers for the for the Bills' core because again, Milano, their safety help. They have no answer for Travis Kelsey, and we've seen the Chiefs go against legitimate defenses like the Ravens, and he went out there and destroyed them. The Bills are not going to have that answer for him this week. And then point number four, since 2018, the Chiefs are 10-6 and six in primetime games, and nine of those 16 games were on the road. Two of the road games were against teams that got to the Super Bowl in 2018 with the Patriots and Rams. And in those games, the Chiefs averaged 32 points per game. And since 2019, the Chiefs defense has allowed fewer than 25 points 10 times in primetime, which is no coincidence why they're 8-2 and two of that span. And one of the losses came against the Packers without Mahomes and lost by a touchdown with Matt Moore. And my fifth and final point as to why I strongly, strongly believe this game will be a dominant performance by the Chiefs, the lack of primetime experience for this current Bills team, and in particular, their budding star quarterback, Josh Allen. Josh Allen has played in 33 games so far in his career and has played in exactly one regular season primetime game this last Tuesday against the Titans. And it is no coincidence to you or to me that he also had by far his worst game of the season in primetime. Coming into that week, as Trevor alluded to, I'll give you the actual numbers. Coming into week's five matchup against the Titans, Allen, Josh Allen had one interception and didn't have a game with a quarterback rating below 104. Damn near flawless, man. Well, he threw two interceptions and hosted a 78 quarterback rating against Tennessee, which, by the way, has one of the worst defenses by numbers this season. I get that this game will be at home for Buffalo, but without fans and the weather not being a factor, I expect Josh Allen to look more like week five Josh Allen that I expect Josh Allen to look like week one through four Josh Allen. What are your thoughts on that, Trevor? Uh, I mean, if you're expecting – I, I want to agree with you on the blowout thing because that, that would just be fun bounce off that – to bounce back from that Raiders loss um, and just let it out on somebody. Um, I want to agree with that, but that you that would be implying that, you know, our defense completely stops that potent, high-speed, deep-threat just raw a bit raw ability offense that 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 bills you know portray um that's a big task to stop i mean i know the titans just showed that there's a way to do it um but that's a tall task for the defense even though i at this point right now as far as these past couple weeks have gone i i I have more faith in the defense to do their part than i do our offensive line giving pat time to make plays and this is a you know ed oliver um that's a that's a tough nasty uh, defensive front there in, in Buffalo, and, and they they thrive off grit. You know they weren't getting there against Tannehill, so I, I, I it's for me, man. This just comes down to if our O line shows up, it's over. Mm-hmm. I, but these past, I mean, we struggled against a no name linebacker core and uh, Patriots team consistently pressuring um, Patrick Mahomes and keeping that game way more close than it ever should have been. And then we go against this this Raiders no-name linebacker core and defensive front, only rushing four both weeks, and they were getting pressure on Pat consistently. And now we're facing a better defensive front by far than those last two teams. That's worrisome to me, man. Our O-line has been shitty, like straight up one of the worst right now in these past 
two, three weeks has been horrible. Pat's been on the run having to make plays, and it looks like it looks like Pat's first year. That's what it looks like right now. Our, our line looks like Pat's first year where he had a scramble and he depended on his magic. And that's not fair to him. He needs to have a clean pocket. He needs to make some throws. When and we all know what happens when Pat has a clean pocket. Yeah. It's it's good luck to everybody else. So I mean, I'm not saying he can't just destroy you and, and and you know demoralize you outside of the pocket as well. That's definitely a possibility. And um, I, I I think we'll, I think both teams will actually put up some points. Um, I think both these offenses are really really talented. Both these teams overall roster wise are really really talented and well coached. Um, Coach McDermott over there is a very very respectable coach on both Reed branch. Yeah, exactly. So he's a knowledgeable guy. He's going to have his guys ready. Um, and he's a, he's a fiery guy and I know he's going to have Josh Allen and who's a fiery guy as well. That tandem, I, I respect, um, the, the evolution of Josh Allen so far. Um, he, that was one bad hiccup last week and overall he's looked great and he's performed great, but he hasn't played a team on the magnitude of the chiefs. And I think it's just, I think it's bad timing for them. I do expect a win. Um, but I think it will be a hard fought team. Cause he's like, these are both talent wise top to bottom rosters pretty close matched they have weapons we have weapons obviously our weapons are better and i trust them more i trust our coach more uh our defense is definitely more talented um but for me man like i said it it, it all comes down if if we get pat time to make plays if we get pat time to make plays you know with or without sammy Watkins, which does suck not having sammy Watkins out there because he's kind of our true number one uh Typical true number one receiver. He runs the more, you know, the the, the routes that a typical number one receiver lizard. would. Yeah. So, and Tyreek's kind of the take the top off, you know, big play kind of guy. But Sammy is definitely utilized. And McColl's not the same type of player that Sammy is. So, that kind of, you know, changes our scheme a little bit. Um, I don't expect a blowout. I do expect a double-digit win, though. Um, I expect the Bills to keep it pretty close until like the late third quarter, and I expect us to kind of pull away. Um, I expect our defense to make a few plays, but man, it, I got to see our offensive line step it up. It's pissing me off, I, and I know Pat's been in their ear. You see the frustration on Pat. I've seen the last two weeks he's getting pressure from guys that shouldn't be getting in his face, um, and it's unacceptable. So I fully expect Andy Reid being an offensive lined minded guy, and he knows you know how to get his guys in the right spots. I expect him to put the same the right guys in the right spots to. Um, keep a clean pocket this week. Yeah, uh, 100% piggybacking on the O-line comments. I was, like I said, talking to Ocho Cinco and Kelly about this stuff, and I said they look like a bunch of lumpy pancakes, and this has been this way since Will Shields and Willie Rofer gone. I am tired of having a $500 million quarterback with no protection. Yeah. It's exhausting. I can't imagine actually being Mahomes in that situation. And it's not like they're bringing major blitz packages. They're bringing four, mm-hmm. three or four at a time, and they're getting through, and it's unacceptable. It is, and it's like I just haven't been impressed with the O-line in a long time. I've always been a hater when it comes to the O-line. I never think they're good enough. Um, especially in this case, you know, if I was mad about them protecting Alex Smith, I wasn't a huge Alex Smith fan at the time. Uh, I'm definitely going to be mad now. And I think the game's going to be pretty even, you know, I, I wish I didn't feel that way, but like, Ooh, I had to deal with a loss since the first time since November, I think I'll be okay. You know, our yeah. fan base is recovering from that. It's a little bit of an ego blow, especially to the Raiders. We all talked a bunch of smack, but, um, I'm kind of sticking with, I'm hoping to see some more fire from the O-line. If nothing else, you know, Some we're going to have the offensive weapons. Everyone gets excited about that, but we have to give him time. And that's just what we're, we were not seeing that at all. Yeah. And, and, and I think Josh Allen has put himself in a, in a, um, in a category that needs to be respected. I think he's showing he's not only a franchise quarterback, but as I have called him a budding star, I think he's a budding star coming into that Tennessee game. 
People were calling him an MVP candidate. He's a highlight reel. Man. He is. And yeah. I, I told you guys before the season started, I have high expectations. I think Josh Allen's going to lead this team, this Bills team, to the AFC Championship. I think they're going to beat the Ravens in the playoffs. And I'm going to stick by that. We've got to worry they have about the recipe. His, his rushing capabilities. But, but, but the thing about this is that the NFL season is long. I know it's only 16 weeks, but it is long. Because what's going to happen – Week 11, week 12, week 13, we're going to look back and go, damn, that Raiders loss felt so long ago. You know, yeah. that's how the NFL season is. It feels like it was a, it was another season itself. Mm-hmm. We're catching the Bills at the perfect time. The Chiefs are catching the Bills at the perfect time. A lot of times when you think, okay, you're, you, you know, a team just lost an embarrassing game, you're going to you're gonna get the AF, an A game from them. I, I, th- I definitely think the Bills are going to give the Chiefs A effort. I don't think they're going to have an A game. I, the way... Patrick, or the way uh, Josh Allen has played so far in primetime games, his one yeah. time, he was horrible. The one time he plays in a primetime game, <laughs> he absolutely craps the bed. The yeah. tree fall hard. Right, and now you're going against the Chiefs defense who we talked about. I don't. I promise you guys I don't want to talk about the Raiders game, but I'm going to make one point about why the Chiefs lost that game. People are blaming the refs, and I totally agree with you guys about the it's offensive Raider line. Cody, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, Raider Cody, give him our show. Give us fucking bad juju. Way to go, Raider Cody. Now, I gave him all the – I told him I hung the L big time on that. I about gave myself the L this week, but I got another one that's a little more interesting. Hell yeah. But where the Chiefs actually lost the game last week against the Raiders was the same reason why I believe they're going to ultimately beat the Bills. The way Spags schemed the deep ball. No one saw Derek Carr throwing the ball downfield. Henry Ruggs and Nelson Aguilar – only had four receptions last week. And you're thinking, oh, my God, that, what a great job by the Chiefs defense. Only problem is those four receptions went for a combined 185 yards and two touchdowns. That is where the Chiefs lost this game. Josh Allen has arguably the best arm in the NFL outside of Patrick Mahomes. John Brown is a legitimate deep threat. Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers overall in the entire NFL. And Cole Beasley, as our guy Marty McDonald said, is an incredibly polished veteran wide receiver. These guys, they have weapons, and they're going to try to throw the ball downfield. For me, the Chiefs look at last week's game against a quarterback that has never thrown the ball like that against them, not even close, disrespect them in their own their own stadium. Tons of fans are not. They got embarrassed. They've had to sit on that all week long. They got some good news with Le'Veon Bell, even though he will not play this week and probably won't play a lot against the Broncos next week, but for sure shit will play a lot against the Jets in three weeks. The Chiefs realize that we're, we're now going against a team that we expect those things to happen. So we're going to shut that shit down. And some people will say, well, let's counter it. The Bills are going to run the ball well. The Bills are one of the worst rushing offenses in the NFL, averaging less than 98 yards a game. Yeah, they, don't have, they are getting Zach Moss back, who is a true banger. Uh, Singletary is the more scat back type guy. But Zach Moss being back is a big deal because that guy between the tackles is, is tough to bring down. He's, so, he's a rookie, yeah, but so, still so, a big so, kid. So, so to the point is, the Chiefs are now coming into this game awakened. They didn't have a loss before the Raiders game, but if you saw, the Chiefs knew, we got Lamar Jackson on our schedule tonight. Yeah. We got to go out there and pop him in the fucking mouth. Yeah. And the chief blew him out. Well, and, and we and, we, and we're notorious for getting up uh, for the premier matchups. This is one of the ones we circled That's on the exactly calendar because we all expected the Bills to take the next step, and they have so far this year, outside of that bad loss last the last week. But 
we Patrick Mahomes primetime always gets up for these big time games. Um, and Andy Reid always brings something out that we didn't, we haven't seen before typically, or, or haven't seen in a while or something that catches the opposing team off guard in these yeah. big time games. And I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Well, let us know what you guys think when you listen to this podcast, hit us up at the spoken pod on Twitter and hit us up on Facebook. We'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are before this game on Monday. We got a few days left before this game. And we're definitely going to be throwing this out there. So I'm, I want to leave it there. When we get back guys, we're going to be talking on the Monday mailbag. We'll get back to the Monday mailbag after this. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Mail time. The mail's here. It is time for the Monday mailbag. What we like to do each and every week is give you guys the segment, the opportunity, the platform to give us what you guys are thinking about, what your debates are, discussions, topics. Whatever it is, man, we, we want to bring you guys into the show and uh, allow you guys, like I said, just to have a, a full-fledged takeover. So I don't want to waste any more time. Gat, what is in the Monday Mailbag, and why is it starting with Donnie Couch? Let me guess. <laughs> I've, I wanted to start with yo-yo-yo, and I'm like, no, this is an appropriation <laughs> of Eddie again. Uh, Donnie starts off, hey, guys, Eddie, the soccer player who never found his footing. Lance, the guy who is secretly a member of a biker gang. And Trevor, who's just there to be there. Were you guys were you guys just as terrified as I was when Alex Smith had to go up against Aaron Donald Sunday? I, I will. I'm. I know I'm in the minority with this one, and it's okay because I know that there are people out there that secretly feel the way I feel. They just don't want to come out and say it because they know they'll also get criticized. I thought it was absolutely stupid of Ron Rivera to put him put Alex Smith out there in that game for for multiple multiple reasons. The biggest one though is you're going against Aaron Donald who is a 310-pound freak. This is arguably the greatest defensive lineman we have ever seen in NFL history. You have a horrible team around a 37-year-old quarterback who just had almost 20 surgeries on his leg that damn near killed him. And you got him out there in that game. I understand that we want to see him get the comeback player of the year. I understand you wanted to get some snaps out there. But snaps is almost the wrong word to use Mm -hmm. because his leg could have at any point in time snapped. And I, and I know it's a feel-good story. I know everyone's like, man, this shows heart and resilience. And it does. Because what Alex Smith did was unbelievably resilient. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's one of the most profound, honorable stories I've ever seen in the world of sports. But on the flip side, imagine Alex Smith re-injuring that leg. Well, how are we feeling right now? What are we talking about? I mean, what, you know, where are we at? Are we going, oh, that was, you know, now that we think about it, that was kind of stupid. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, do it against the Jets, not the Rams. Yeah, do it, do it like there's a blowout game and you're just handing balls off. Cool. Against a defense that doesn't have Aaron Donald. Like, I don't understand the logic behind it, especially when Kyle Allen was healthy enough to get back in the game. He had some mystery injury, but he comes back on the sidelines and he was a healthy scratch, quote unquote. Man, I, I love Ron Rivera, but that was such a stupid move, and I'm going to stick with that because I don't see the 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 bright side of bringing in Alex Smith under those under those circumstances. Yeah, I think the only reason he stayed in there was because of Kyle Allen, uh, the injury, and I don't think they wanted to injure him further. Uh, and and um, um, Haskins was was a scratch from the game because he was I believe he was ill, and I believe he was still ill leading into this this game coming up uh, this weekend. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, he was inactive, so they were down to pretty much just a banged up Kyle Allen and Alex and healthy Alex Smith, quote unquote healthy Alex Smith. But yeah, I mean, you guys we know. We saw his leg. Yeah, anybody who who who's heard my outlook on Alex Smith, <laughs> I told him he. I mean, my view is he should have never came back into the league. He tested fate and he damn near lost it. Damn near lost a leg and his life. Um, and he should have just accepted that and moved on with his life, a great life he has moving forward um, without football. Um, yeah, that was rough to watch um, for anybody, any NFL fan, any Alex Smith fan, uh, for the person he is, you know. Uh, yeah, there was there's no reason to really put him out there. It, it, I feel like it was just an inconvenience, or not an inconvenience, but an inconvenience, oh, I guess an inconvenience spot for him to be in because there was no real – According to them, there was no real other option. They didn't want to put Kyle Allen back in there and, and further injure him because he's going to be the starter moving forward. I don't think they really wanted to play Alex Smith, but I just – yeah, that was – against that that defensive line, it was just a bad timing thing, I think, for Kyle Allen to get banged up and then to put, you know, Gimpy in there. It was just a not not ideal for, oh, for, for anybody. Oh, absolutely on that one. Yeah. That, was, that was rough to watch. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Couch continues on to, I think, a question that a lot of us were thinking – is this loss to the Raiders a blessing in disguise for the Chiefs? I, I don't ever get down with that logic. Um, I think there are things you take from it that can motivate you to get back on track for sure. Uh, and they should. Losses should never sit well with you. Um, but I've never been one of those people that feel like, oh, that was a good loss. The Chiefs needed a loss. No. Yeah. I, look, man, if you need losses, you're not a championship team. The Ch- you really think for a second the Chiefs needed that 19-13 to loss against the Colts last year to win the Super Bowl? No, you don't need losses to be great. You don't need losses to be awake. I'm I'm with LeBron James when he said uh, in the bubble just a month ago, he said that I think you take more from a win than a loss. I agree because even in victory, you can find the faults and the flaws that you have. And it's always better to win than to lose. I think that I don't want to sound like Trent Dilfer here, but it's like I feel like that's that's the common the common sense factor here, right? Like they sh- you don't need to lose in order to understand how to win, right? Like. So I, I don't think it's a blessing in disguise, but I will say in the same breath that I do believe the Chiefs took that loss and said, fuck, I don't want to feel that again, so let's uh, let's not do that again, guys, especially against a team like the Raiders, who we know have been waiting. They, I mean, they're probably printing out T-shirts like the Chargers did a couple of years ago when they finally beat the Chiefs. They're, they're out there like our guy Raider Cody. We love him to death, but he's been shitting on us. You don't think the Chiefs, the Chiefs know that? Yeah, and he took it a little too far with the personal appearance <coughs> stuff with like a couple of the Chiefs fans like using their le- like using their face and like making fun. I'm like, come on, man! If you have to insult appearance, you're taking it a little too far. You're beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah, we really so, expected much. Yeah, we don't do Raider fans. Yeah, we don't do that on our little podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Marty even alluded to it a little bit. I agree that the the, the word blessing. Uh, should never be connected to a loss. Um, uh, but there, you, you got to find it. You got to be able to find gray area because even, even, you know, you can even compare it to real life scenarios. You know, if someone who's hit rock bottom in life and and then they ended up finding themselves, you know, and you can, in a way, call it a blessing in disguise because you you self evaluated and you've, you've really found yourself. This team doesn't need to do that. There was no excuse to lose that game. Uh, the better team lost, and it's unacceptable. Uh, um, but at the same time, especially defensively, um, there is, you, you can learn from both wins and losses, but I think you really see, um, a true self-evaluation coming a little more heavy after a loss, especially a loss to a divisional foe, um, especially a divisional foe that, you know, 
took that that win so personally had to you know get a um um a police escorted lap around the, the stadium. Um, so, which was confirmed by the way, by Marty McDonald. It's going to be fun to revisit that when the Raiders don't make the playoffs this year. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it sucks. It sucks that we lost that game. It's not a blessing in disguise. It is an, it is a rude awakening that we know that we let one slip by. That's unacceptable. And, and if we feel that and that burns inside of us, imagine what our, Ooh. our chiefs in, the, in that locker room feel. And imagine what those coaches, imagine what Andy Reid feels losing to fucking John Gruden. That's not that's not acceptable. Uh, to that's anybody. one of his best friends. Okay, yeah, but he know you know he likes to get, put it on him. Yeah, you know, and Andy Reid likes to put it on the guys that he respects. You know, and that's one of the guys he respects. And the, you know, then like I said, the better team lost. It sucks, but that's definitely not a blessing in disguise. But I fully expect us to respond. Absolutely. So this is the last question I think uh, about Le'Veon Bell. However, I think a lot of people are missing the point of his role in the locker room. So this is a great question from Donnie Couch. How good would Le'Veon Bell make the Chiefs, Lance? And could you can you explain to everyone how this could actually help Clyde? Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to repeat myself too much. I, I tried to really break that down in the first segment with my opening monologue. But just to, to, to give Donnie what he's looking for in this question, I'm assuming it's Donnie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it's going to help Clyde big time because for a young player with, with with such a unforeseen set of circumstances to take on, you know, you, you talk about a rookie running back coming into the league. That's pressure in itself, especially as a first round quarterback or first round pick going into the Super Bowl champions team coming off of a championship himself. There's a lot of expectation for Clyde, but but now that Le'Veon Bell is there, it's taking off the pressure of Clyde having to take on the mantle because. When he when Damian Williams before he opted out, Clyde's looking at this going, "Oh my God, I got Patrick Mahomes, I got all these other weapons, and I got Damian Williams, who was an absolute baller in the playoffs. This guy's going to show me a lot. The focus isn't going to be on me as much because he's still going to get so many carries and touches." That went away, and I feel like in some regards that hit Clyde a little hard. But even with that, you saw the way Clyde was still quietly performing like an all time great in his first five games. You pencil in Le'Veon Bell now, the focus is going to be on Le'Veon Bell because now everyone's going to be looking at, okay, this is that veteran running back that was on the way to the Hall of Fame with the Steelers, goes and lays a fat L with the Jets. Now he's trying to prove himself. The national media is not going to be looking at Clyde. So now he gets to kind of just jump in and take 12 to 17 rushes a game and, and get himself back into a status of a young player learning this offense I think this is so ideal. I think this is going to benefit Clyde the most of all players on this team, including Patrick Mahomes, that Le'Veon Bell is now here. I think this is the safety blanket that that Clyde not only wanted, but absolutely needed for his rookie campaign. Yeah, and there's two ways that Clyde could take this. He can, one, either you know take offense to it and be upset that they brought somebody in to, you know, to possibly feel like he's not doing enough. Or he's not being relied on enough, or feel like he's fulfilling the job enough, or he could take it in. You know, hey, this is one of the greats. This is this is one of the best linebacker, or one of the best linebackers, one of the best running backs of the, of the past. You don't know, <laughs> yeah, of the past, you know, <laughs> five six years. Um, he's been one of the best. I mean, he had a little the the, the stint in New York is just that's a, a blur. He he's wants to quickly forget, but still, <laughs> in my mind. Le'Veon Bell has came in to be the, the the number one back here, and I fully expect him to be the number one back moving forward once he gets on the field. I think this is, I just, I just, I, I think, um, I think it's the latter though. I think for Clyde, I think Clyde's going to accept the, the 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 veteran to come in and kind of you know, 
maybe possibly. I mean, there's not many better running backs to come in and, and you know, and, and learn from because they have a similar skill set, even though uh, Lev is a, a much bigger body, but they have a similar skill set. They both have a very good one uh, jump cut step uh, and they're, they're good at making the first guy miss. Um, but there's a, I think, I think this is only a positive for, for Clyde. He's going to learn so much from one of the guys that's a very patient runner um, and, and knows how to follow his blockers. And I think we've seen a lot just from what I know Clyde's been good so far, but he, he, he hasn't just from the, from watching the games, he struggled following the right blocker and finding the right mm-hmm. hole. Granted, our O-line hasn't been very great, but I think Lev has been obviously one of the best at finding the holes. Um, granted, he had a great offensive line in Pittsburgh for years there. Um, so that made it a little easier for him, but he's a very patient runner and he knows when to hit, hit the gas, um, at the right time. Um, so I think moving forward, Lev is going to be the guy. And I think this is a perfect scenario for both coach Reed and Le'Veon Bell at this time, you know, being 28 years old, still has a lot in the tank. I believe, uh, being a big Lev fan, I, mean, I couldn't be more stoked to have this guy in, in the red and gold. Um, but I think this is only a net positive for this entire offense, man. Switching gears a little bit to blue and gold with all the great play from the bullpen we've seen from the Royals. Could we see the playoffs next year from Donnie Couch? Absolutely. The reason why I say that is because I had the damn Royals making the playoffs this year in a, in a weird-ass 60-game <laughs> season. Uh, obviously, that did not pan out at all. They weren't even close, in fact. But you you, you see the way Dayton Moore is building this team once again. It, it's very similar to how he built this team in the early 2010s, mm-hmm. where – yeah, this team's still far off, but damn, they got some young talent, man. They put this team together to get a couple right pieces, a couple veterans here and there, sprinkle that in. You got yourself a title contender. And I don't say that lightly. I'm just going to give Dayton Moore the benefit of the doubt here because I think he's drafted insanely well. I think the Chiefs, the, Chief, the Royals are in an incredible transition of time now where almost every single player from that 2014 and 2015 Royals team is essentially gone outside yeah. of, I think, Danny Duffy and uh, Salvador Perez now. And even they are aging veterans. <laughs> You're getting a new swing, literally and figuratively, of young talent. Those guys used to be the young talent that were leading the way. Now you're getting that second wave. This is this is the way of the small markets, man. You, you're not getting, you're not going to go out there and get your Bryce Harper's four hundred million dollars. You're not getting Mike Trout's. You're not getting these other guys. You're going to have to build from within, which is totally fine because in baseball it makes sense to do so and it's very sustainable. And Dayton Moore is arguably the best at doing it. So I think that you saw in 2019 and 2020 the Royals are starting to take those steps yet again. You're starting to see them get away from those those older players that were kind of starting to slow this team down a lot. And I, I definitely I definitely think in 2021 this team has the hopes for the playoffs. I'm probably not going to pick them because we're more likely going back to 162 games. But I think that in 2022 and 2023 this team is absolutely going to not only be in the playoffs but can absolutely be a contender in the AL. Yeah, I mean this strange COVID season setup was – probably a good learning experience for these young, this young sure. crew of guys we have. Um, I'm probably not going to pick them to make the playoffs next year, just because like, like I just alluded to, we are so young. Um, there's a lot of learning curve ahead of us. I think we are building a good young bullpen um, and we have some promising young hitters and, and, you know, guys that could potentially make a name for themselves moving forward. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you got to just kind of trust the process, man. Baseball is kind of a slow growing. It's very rarely outside of the big market teams do you, you know, we just acquire big name guys and make a strong push. The Royals, it just doesn't happen with the Royals. It doesn't happen that way. We, we, we have a, a homegrown farm system that we live and die by, you know, you, for the majority of my life, we've been a farm system for the entire league, you know, shipping, you know, guys off that could be 
promising potential players and stars in, the, in, the, in this market. But uh, we've been learning to, um, you know, keep our guys and, 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 and grow from that. And I, I, I do think that there's something here in the next couple of years, but I don't, I don't think, I don't see playoffs in the future for this next season though. Understandable. Yeah. Um, this is from Ernesto Fiaro. Did you guys see those vicious head kick KOs in the UFC Man. this weekend? I saw one. Uh, it was a spinning kick. It was like a counter kick. It was unbelievable. He had one leg grabbed, and then, and then he spun with yeah. the other foot. And, just and he put the dude right in dreamland while the dude was still on his feet. Right like, it was, teeth, oh, my man. God. It was yeah. so great. UFC has been so – I mean, we got to give them some credit, man. This last Dana year White's for UFC has it, been nothing but – because it yeah. isn't just been that they've been able to withstand the pandemic. They've been putting out quality fights. Now they got McGregor back. Got I mean, McGregor going against Poirier. Like dollar signs. You got yeah. uh, you got the what's it called the 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 fight between Diaz and uh, Masvidal once again. Yep. I mean, you, and not to say that you called the McGregor coming back thing, but yeah, you, you did. I, I mean, I kind of did, guys. I, I kind of told you this was, was going to happen. I, yeah. I I this is just what fighters do, and he's a, show, he's a showman, wall. man. Yeah. He's, and he's still too young to not go out there and still whoop some ass, and that's what he's going to do. He's going to whoop Poirier's ass, but. But yeah, I, I saw one of the knockouts. I, I wish I could name the fighter. I feel bad, um, but it was just an unbelievable kick to the to the lips, man. He yeah. got that dude knocked the fuck out. And so uh, I, I've been enjoying UFC for sure. So whenever we get UFC questions in the mailbag, I love that. Yeah, we got a good card coming up pretty uh, this weekend. Absolutely, Donnie Couch. Last question: How good would this Colts team be if Andrew Luck was their quarterback? Oh, I mean, you. you have- yeah, they'd be much better than what they've been with Phillip Rivers, who I think has five touchdowns and seven picks. Rough. I was I was somebody who was big on the Colts this year. I thought that the Colts, because of their schedule, I thought Phillip Rivers was going to have something to prove this year, and he was playing indoors, and I thought he was going to play really well. Uh, it's been quite the contrary. Uh, the Colts, have, in fact, have been trying to carry him. And I know Frank Reich has been standing you know, in support of Phillip Rivers. <sighs> but Phil, but it, I bet you if Frank Reich had his if, – if it was his choice – he would bench Philip Rivers and play Jacoby Brissett. Unfortunately, they paid yeah. Philip Rivers way too much money on that one-year deal. They're going to have to ride this season out with him. Frank Reich is secure. I will. I will throw a prediction though out there. I think that I think that the Colts are going to trade with the Jets to get Sam Darnold. I think that makes so much sense because the Jets are going to get that number one pick, and I fully anticipate that Trevor Lawrence is going to come out. I think the Jets are going to get Trevor Lawrence. And I think they're going to trade Sam Darnold, who will be, I think, 24 at next season, mm-hmm. to the Colts and let Frank Reich have his franchise quarterback. Well, I, be- I believe in Sam Darnold, and I think that's what's going to happen. In the meantime, man, the Colts are going to just have to suffer the punishment of, of giving you know, $23 million to a 38-year-old quarterback th- that throws like my niece. So no offense. I mean, my niece is seven years old, though. So <laughs> she, I, I, w- I bet you if, she, if Scarlett, my niece, and, and Philip Rivers had a throwing chuck contest, it would be very competitive. So Philip Rivers is washed, man. It's it's over for Philip Rivers. This is unfortunate. I was kind of hoping that he'd get himself a nice little, uh, you know, uh, uh, swan song, if you will. He gets to kind of <laughs> ride off in the sunset, make the playoffs with another team, maybe even get a playoff win or two because he doesn't get those with the San, the, the San Diego and L.A. Chargers. But, yeah, it's just an unfortunate set of events, and Frank Wright's just going to have to hold that L. Yeah, I mean, it, it, also I'll throw another name out there that could possibly, you know, make a shake up there is if the Eagles keep moving forward the way they are. Carson Wentz could be possibly moved as well, and that could be a guy I could see Frank Wright going after. I think that would be a good fit because um, he's been tied to Philadelphia before. Hasn't Frank Wright? Yeah, Frank Wright was. Well, yeah, Wright, he, Wright. he used to work, he used to work as OC. The problem though is, saying, is, so that, is is Carson Wentz's contract. 
Oh, I know, I know. That's a lot of money. But I mean, yeah. But I mean, once Philip Rivers is off the books, they're going to have money to spend. Sure. Um, but I, I get to see, I can see him falling right into that system, you know, with Frank Reich. Uh, and he's a hell of a coach. And you know, he he he's a he's a QB whisperer. He's one of those guys that you know knows how to get the best out of him. But Philip Rivers is absolutely just washed. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. People I'm forget good. that Frank Wright was the quarterback that led the Bills that historic comeback yeah. against the Oilers when they were down thirty-five to three. One of the greatest half. comebacks ever. Everybody thinks that was Jim Kelly. Yeah. That was Frank Reich, who was the backup to Jim Kelly. That was mm-hmm. that was pretty. That was maybe the most incredible comeback in NFL history, outside of the Chiefs coming back on the Texans, who ironically are also the Oilers. Well, are they? No, the Houston Oilers. Yeah. I guess they we in the same city. Were, yeah. yeah, we were the Oilers, so now they moved up to us. I, um, I, unbelievable. I yeah, but Frank Reich, man. I, I, yeah, like I said, I think he's. I think he's going to get Sam Darnold. That's my prediction. I think that. Philip Rivers is. They're literally dr- he's drowning that Colts team because that that yeah. Colts team's good. Sam Darnold's good. That's, that's that Colts team is good. They yeah. should be a playoff. That's a team. great defense. They're gonna miss the playoffs. Jonathan right Taylor is legit. I don't look like I an idiot. I can't say nice things about the Colts. I still have PTSD. Jonathan Taylor's them, legit, so and that O line's legit. Yeah, why are you gonna bring up Andrew Luck? Yeah, like, damn right? it, he's been Donnie. out of the league, Donnie. Damn it, he's in a cabin somewhere. Let him be. <laughs> I would like to see Andrew Luck make a comeback, but I think he's happy. Yeah, he was getting hit left and right. Yeah, his body was broken. And that is it for the Monday mailbag. Good mailbag, guys. It was brief, quick, to the point. We appreciate it. But honestly, guys, like, bring bring whatever you got, man. We have UFC questions. We have we had a good mix tonight, man. UFC, MLB, NBA, NFL. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, did anybody else notice that uh, the Lakers won the? Yeah, LeBron got a LeBron fourth MVP. Did that happen? Bad. Bad. Oh, James. Go, James. We need to get Shannon on the show. That'd be awesome. Get LaShannon Sharp on your Club Shay. Club Shay Shay. No, that's the thank you guys so much for the Monday Mailbag. We appreciate it. LeBron's a goat. We're going to take a quick break because I think we have one more order of business. What's it called, guys? Hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It is t- time to hold this L. What we do each and every week after the Monday Mailbag is we like to give out some friendly or not-so-friendly Ls in the world of sports. Regardless, we promise you guys, whoever holds the L for us in, in this week is absolutely deserving of it. So we're going to start with Miss Ones and Twos, Miss DJ Gat. Gat, who is holding the L for you this week? And do not, and I mean do not hold back. I won't because uh, I got time. You know, my dating life has gone to shit. I am flying solo during cuffing season. It's a dangerous time for a single white female to be roaming around. So <laughs> I've got to put my efforts somewhere else. And I have decided to step into the arena of politics. I am not only uh, 
I'm just one politic, like one politician, <laughs> one politic, please. Give her one politic. One politic, please. <laughs> on the rocks. Uh, I decided to focus all of my energy on Steve Howe getting out of district attorney's seat in Johns County and getting Zach Taylor in. Not because I like Zach Taylor. I don't really know the guy at all. I just hate Steve Howe. And I think that anyone would be a better option. So I'm going to be starting a campaign that will be uh, complete with signs saying Steve Howe is a Broncos fan because I don't know any other way to get people mad. (laughs) It's just like, I mean, yeah, Steve Howe likes Nickelback. Steve Howe, like, (laughs) we can come up with all of these things. He's skis in his jeans. Yeah, he sucks. Like, if you guys give me your creative slogans of how I can get people's attention to not vote for Steve Howe, um, he thinks chili's a soup. And I'm going to be right outside there at the police <laughs> station on Blue Valley Parkway and 123rd, whatever that is. It's right there. He wanted Alex Smith traffic. for another year. I have nothing else to do right now besides uh, put all of my efforts into this campaign. He botched the Tyreek Hill case, among so many others. He's been a cancer to the judicial system in Johnson County. And I'm just tired of his shit. I don't like him. I don't like the way his face looks. I don't know why like, he does business. And all in all, you're just a shit person, Steve Howe. Um, I think I called him a human shit stain uh, on Twitter. So that was just a, an average morning I wake up just pissed off at Steve Howe. So that's where all my efforts are going. So uh, Steve Howe this election season is going to have to hold this L. You know, you wake up in the morning, have a cup of joe, call Steve Howe a shit stain. I mean, that's a routine if I have never heard of it. <laughs> Trevor, who is holding the L for you this week, my man? All right, man. I'm going to try to pull this Band-Aid off quickly because it's been painful, lingering lingering pain. Um, I do owe uh, our last guest, uh, Raider Cody, apology. Um, I embarrassed myself publicly on the show. He Um, speaks for all of us. I gave gave him the the premonescent L uh, before the game even started because he was – boasting about his team and how they're going to put up points. And I was scoffing at that possible <laughs> reality that became a real reality. Um, it was, that was hard to accept, man. I was very, very um, confident going into that game to, for the chiefs to do what we normally do against the Raiders uh, and, and the division. Uh, I thought, I thought if any team was going to catch us, it was going to be that Chargers game because the Chargers have played us the, the best of all the teams in this division, the last handful of years and that we, we beat them. So I had no, no worries heading into the, the Raider week, but I had to swallow my pride um, and swallow that loss. And that was rough. Uh, so I'm going to be holding the L this week uh, just for, you know, <laughs> giving him the L there that, that week uh, while he was on the show. Arrogant um, very arrogant of myself, and I typically come out on top of that because I don't, I'm not used to losing yeah. uh, as, as a Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs fan. Um, so with that, I apologize, Cody. Uh, you are correct, sir. Your team did well. Um, don't expect it ever to happen ever again in your lifetime <laughs> against the Chiefs. Um, so I might be holding another L saying that, but you know what? We will revisit that in a month. Um, looking forward to the next game with hey, you guys. We got Raider Cody coming back in a month, man. Oh, uh, so you, yeah. We definitely have that conversation. I will try to uh, not embarrass myself like that again and not sure jinx. we'll be out that week. Yeah. The, the loss is on me, guys. I jinxed the shit out of it. No, um, Clay Winler, too. Kelsey. Clay Winler did the same shit. Yeah. Clay Winler was like, I think it's good the Chiefs will lose this week. And we fucking lost. He got raped under the so, Okay, well, we can blame it on Clay then. I don't yeah, know. Trevor's a scapegoat, kind of, but Clay's the one that really But, started. yes, I apologize, Cody. Come back on the show, man. We appreciate your presence. It was fun having you. Look forward to the next matchup. But in the in the meantime, I, myself, Trevor Twidwell on The Spoken, is going to have to hold, hold this L. That was very humble of you, Trevor. I'm not going Don't to expect very much more of that. Because, <laughs> fuck that shit. because there's another man in the world of sports that's going to have to hold an L. 
and it's it's funny because he just got employed in an actual promotion, mm. and he's still holding an L. <laughs> this last offseason, uh, there was a lot of – well, there was actually a, uh, an offseason before where LeBron James went to the Lakers, and they were looking for coaching, and they thought it was a perfect fit to go and get Ty Lue. And so Ty Lue's like, you know what? Let me let me let me figure this out. Let's see if the Lakers are a good fit. It's a common sense move because you know that LeBron's going to get himself a team and they're going to be in the finals and they're going to do their thing. And I, I try to predict all this. Well, the Lakers went to Ty Lue first and foremost and gave him the opportunity to run LeBron James's team and get himself another ring or two. Well, Tyron Lue decided to turn it down, and, and at the time, I understood because he wanted more years and more money because he felt like he earned that because he was a part of a championship run with LeBron James, even though LeBron was the reason why they came back from 3-1 against a 72-win Warriors team, but I digress. <laughs> Ty, Ty Lue was there. He, he attended. Um, he wore a suit, and Ty Lue did turn down the Lakers job, which just sounds insane because he also played for the franchise and won a couple rings with them. He decides instead to go as an assistant coach in the same town to Doc Rivers with the Clippers. And the Clippers became everyone's bandwagon. You know, this is the team that's going to win the title. They're going to dethrone LeBron James before he ever gets on the throne with the in the Western Conference. And we know how the story went. Not only did the Clippers lose in the semifinals and not even face the Lakers in the, in the Western Conference Finals, Doc Rivers loses his job, and Ty Lue gets the job. Mm. But now Ty Lue is going to have to be little brother in the same city that LeBron James just won a title in when he could have had the job all along. If that isn't an L, I don't know what is. Because although, yes, he got promoted, he probably got the money he wanted. Steve Ballmer probably greased his palms, and he's probably going to be happy. Could have a second ring right But now you're looking at the Clippers with all the dismantled pieces they're going to have. They're going to lose Montrezl Harrell to free agency. They're not going to have Marcus Morris. They're going to have way off P like my guy Nick Wright likes to call him because he chokes in the playoffs every damn year. You have a guy in Kawhi Leonard who's a superstar talent but a horrific leader. That's your team going against LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and more than likely Chris Paul. Yeah, sorry, Tyron Lue. You're going to be right where Doc Rivers was. And you're going to be right where you were before you had LeBron James saving your ass and getting you a ring as a head coach in Cleveland. So do me a favor, Mr. Ty Lue, a Kansas City native, and hold, hold this L. L. And before we go, I do want to give a W because we see how the national landscape is in the media. When there is a narrative, it usually is, is carried on and copied and pasted. And we have a few people out there. We're not, I don't consider us national media yet, but we're getting there. We're still Kansas City. <laughs> climbing media. the ladder. We're still, yes, we're climbing that ladder. But a person who made it out of Kansas City and who's doing his thing is Nick Wright. And that's a guy I love and admire. He's been my biggest inspiration. Oh, yeah. Good man. Very good man. Danielle, his wife, is an amazing woman. She just had a birthday, I believe, today, actually, uh, while we're recording this. Nick has been one of the few guys, and I'm not trying to like just overly gloss Nick here, but Nick has been one of the few guys that have stuck to his guns when it came to some of the takes he's had when it comes to LeBron James, when it comes to social injustice, when it comes to some of these uh, people think way off hot takes. And they have all come to fruition for Nick this year. 2020 has been a rough fucking year for all of us. But 2020 has been actually a pretty damn good year for the, I would say, the ultimate representation of Kansas City Media to this point. Yeah. And that is Nick Wright. He's absolutely Jason Whitlock. Fuck off! Can't believe his name got brought up in here. Like the little clown noise that we can make over here. But no, Nick has has done an an incredible job. He's carried. I'm going to be honest. He's carried a lot of shows. 
that he's been on. And he's he's on Colin Cowherd's show every week. Yeah. He's on Dan Patrick's show now. Like the dude's made it. And 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 this 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 run that LeBron James just went on was great for LeBron and his fans, but it's great for guys like Nick because that's what's going to get Nick to the job he ultimately deserves, yeah. and that's going to be that daily show like Colin Cowherd has right now. He's going to get it. And Nick's only thirty five years old. Yeah, that's what's so inspiring. He continues to inspire me. So I want to give a W to my guy Nick Wright and guys like Shannon Sharp for going out there and 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 fighting against the grain, not just to be a contrarian like Skip Bayless who does it just to simply be a contrarian yeah. because these guys are actually coming out here with facts and stats to back up what they stand for. And what we Trevor and I try to do on the spoken each and every week, man, I know it's unpopular, but it is the truth. Yeah. And the truth is the truth, regardless of how you like it or if you like it or not. So I'm going to give a W to Nick. We don't have to do the chant or anything. I just wanted to throw that out <laughs> yeah, there. No but uh, I mean, guys, this was a blast. This, I mean, I know we went back to the old school version where we just did the podcast side of things. Voluntarily, yeah. I mean, we just had some technical difficulties, but guys, we will bounce back. I know you guys missed the live stream. I missed it. I ke- I keep catching myself looking forward as we're doing this recording because <laughs> I'm, I'm I actually got yeah. used to looking at the camera. It took me forever to get used to looking into the camera. Yeah, I finally got like- there. Yeah, now I'm like <laughs> I'm staring into this wall, these soundproof walls. It's just it's yeah. It, but regardless, we had fun. Gat, thank you so much for. For tagging along with us, I always love it when you chime into the we show. We miss Eddie at all. We, we, yeah. <laughs> the good news is we figured out we don't miss Eddie. I actually I forgot about Eddie. him. Don, Don, Donnie, I guarantee you, him and Billy Hodge right now are, are in the DMs right now fighting over Do they know? which one of them had Eddie. Oh, that's why Eddie's not here. There's actually an or, there's an orgy going on. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a – yeah, Donnie Couch. I like rumor mill. A sausage we, we got it. Well, he won't race me, so we got to do something racy. Um, but yet we we always get positive uh, responses whenever you chime in on the show. So <laughs> we appreciate you bringing your uh, political and sports views. <laughs> yes. Trust me, it's it, it's very refreshing. For our guy Marty McDonald, thank you so much. Follow him, guys, yeah. at one underscore Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter. You will not regret it. I promise you that. And for Trevor Twidwell, for Gat, for Eddie Ortiz, who's not here, he's with Billy Hodge and Donnie Couch. Um, I am Lance Twidwell here in episode eighty six of the Spoken Podcast. Happy birthday to my best friend, Millie Garcia. We appreciate you, and I love you. I can't wait to hang out and celebrate this weekend. But in the meantime, enjoy the Chiefs as they beat the Bills and move to 5-1 and one on the season. Cannot wait to revisit this one. Hopefully, God, I don't want to – I'll carry an L. Shit. Monday, Monday football, baby. Third time in four weeks. Cannot wait. Till then, we out of this bitch. LeBron's a goat. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit. This is your new home speaking. I know you haven't moved in yet, but I need some favors. Could you dust the blinds? The dust makes me feel dusty. Also, we could save a lot of money if you bundled your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's super easy to do online or over the phone. Last favor, when you move in, could you stick to one aesthetic? The last owner had a weird mix of floral wallpaper and nautical tchotchkes, and I can't have another identity crisis. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. 911, what's your emergency? Señora, ¿me estás diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que el que sería cruzar, el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después... ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. 
Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netza.